So turn to please to Matthew chapter 5. We are working our way through the Sermon on the Mount and focusing on the Beatitudes right now. We are at Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. But as we have done each week prior, let's continue to read all of the Beatitudes together. So if you're able to stand in reverence for the reading of God's Word, let's do that together. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Dear God, we do thank you for allowing us to be here today in your house. I also thank you, Father, for the richness of your word. Dear God, in, in these, this season of upheaval in our world, not just with the pandemic, but with uncertainty and unease in governments and societies around the world, Father, we turn to you and we just cry out, why? And so, God, I pray this morning that you would speak to us in your word what this means to be part of your kingdom. And many of what your son Jesus teaches us here, Father, is contrary to what the world says. And we wrestle with that. And so, God, we need you to humble us to open our minds, to hear intently, but also, Father, to receive your word faithfully. Today, God, I pray that you would teach us what it means to be meek. What is it that your Son is teaching us here, Father? We, we have an understanding of meekness that we, we try to avoid, actually. But, God, I think you're trying to teach us something bigger. So I pray, God, you would open our minds, that you would cause us to be meek as representatives of your kingdom and cause us, Father, to be who you need us to be through your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please have a seat. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Anybody here ever had a big inheritance? Has anybody here ever had any kind of inheritance at all? Whether, even if it's just a few hundred dollars or just a few dollars, or maybe, maybe it's just a trinket, maybe just uh, a family member who has passed on and they have given you something, a precious momentum, from the family. They've passed down to you something, whether it be something, uh, uh, an antique or maybe just something insignificant like a, like a teapot. Inheritance is something of possession. And when we look at the way the, of, of power structures in our world with governing structures, who is it that possesses the earth? It's those with the most money, 
Perhaps those with the uh, greatest strength, military might. Maybe it's those who have the personality, that A-type personality that they just take charge of any situation. It seems like those are the ones who possess all of the world's wealth. It seems like those are the ones who possess all of the world's material goods, or perhaps even they just run the world. We think that governments run the world right now, but I think we're in a new era of humanity where it's corporations that I think really run the world. Would you agree? Multi-billion dollar corporations who have more money than any government could ever dream of, they run the world. So what does it mean to inherit the earth? We think of inheriting the earth as power. If we possess the earth, we have strength, we have power. It's a sign of strength, isn't it? If we inherit and own the world, that's a sign of strength. But when we see what Jesus is teaching here in the Beatitudes, we remember that, number one, Jesus is teaching something about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. These nine blessings, this blessed are, another way, are signs of the kingdom. What does the kingdom of heaven look like? And Jesus begins, remember in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So we begin with an impoverished spirit, a broken and contrite heart the Lord will not despise. And Jesus says that those who have a broken heart, poor in spirit, the kingdom of heaven will be theirs. Now when we come to verse 5, he speaks about the earth in contrast to the kingdom of heaven, but also the idea of meekness in contrast to what the world says is power. You have to think about this. Try to imagine the scene as Jesus is teaching this wonderful sermon. The context of the disciples and the many crowds who gather around to hear this sermon on the mountain how they would have reacted to this radical teaching of Jesus. He's talking about inheriting the earth and possessing the earth, and the way to do that is to be meek. Now, some translations in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, tells us that blessed are the gentle. Blessed are the gentle. What does this idea of meekness look like? For us, when we think of the meek, we think of people who are, are weak physically, perhaps even weak mentally. Perhaps even they are just so timid and, and the idea of gentleness and humility is how we define meekness. How many of us in this room, when you come across somebody who is gentle and timid and meek, how many of you follow them? Who do we follow? We follow the strong ones, don't we? We look for the ones who control the room. We look for that personality when they walk into the room, they just own the room. But why do we react to the meek and the timid and the gentle. They're the ones sitting in the back of the room, probably off to the side, not drawing attention to themselves, and they're just looking around the room. We don't necessarily follow them because they are not demanding our attention to follow. And here Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek, which is in total contrast to what the world says is strength. So what is biblical meekness then? Biblical meekness the idea here that Jesus is speaking about in verse 5, blessed are the meek, this, this word here that Jesus is using for meekness is clearly what we would consider mild or soft. Someone who is mild, someone who is soft-hearted, someone who is soft in their personality, perhaps soft in speech. Persons of mild and gentle dispositions. Y'all know some people like that who are just... T- we almost look at them as weak and timid. Very mild dispositions, very gentle in their heart. Someone who is meek in the biblical perspective is somebody who is not easily provoked. 
Anybody here in this room, uh, your buttons are pushed real easily? That's one thing that married couples learn pretty quickly, don't they? They figure out how to push the buttons of their spouse in order to gain control of the situation. Is anybody guilty of that? Anybody know what buttons can be pushed to set somebody off? Someone who has, who is meek here, Jesus is saying that if blessed are the meek means that blessed are those who are mild and gentle, those who are not easily provoked or stirred up to anger quickly. They're also not ready to take offense. So the blessed are the meek. This is what this, this is what this trait looks like. Blessed are the meek because they shall inherit the earth. Now we have to ask the question here. What does this mean to be meek? Is meekness really lack of strength? Is meekness really weakness? That's what we we think of the the meek as the weak. No strength at all. But I think what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that in the kingdom of heaven, those who have the meek personality, the, 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 the gentleness of Christ that comes across somebody who is made new in Christ, this now gives them a new outlook on life, a new way of interacting with the world to where they're not going to be easily provoked. They're not going to take offense at every little thing. And really, in the end, biblical meekness is stronger than what the world says is strength because biblical meekness is strength that is under control. There's there's control in a, a disposition of meekness that the world really does not grasp the way the scriptures show it to us. Because if someone has control of their personality, they have control of how they react to things, if they have control of how they respond to situations, they're going to come across as stable. They're going to come across as calm. They're not going to react, raise their voice. They're not going to fight back in the moment. Actually, biblical meekness is going to be a strength that will actually take over any situation without ever having to lift a finger. And this is how Jesus is introducing the kingdom of heaven. It's how Jesus is saying how how He as the Son of God will actually operate and establish His kingdom. Jesus is not going to come into the world and establish a kingdom with military might nor with worldly outlook on power. Jesus is going to come into a fallen world and He is going to be meek, but he's going to be the strongest of all men in that meekness. Amen? See, this attitude of biblical meekness actually leads to peace. How many of us get so upset in circumstances that we just lose our mind? Has anybody ever done, has anybody ever been guilty of just losing your mind in circumstances that you don't control? I got one person back here who's on it. It's two, three, four, right? Whenever we blow up and react to situations, why is it that we react with anger and frustration and, and emotion? It's because we're out of control. The situation is out of our control. We're not in charge of that situation, and we want to be in charge of that situation, and we're going to scream and yell and, la- and yell at people and probably even fight people physically, verbally, whatever. We're going to dominate one way or the other. But meekness, biblical meekness... It is strength under control that will eventually lead to the greatest peace that anyone in the situation can experience. You see, God protects His people. And biblical meekness is a reaction to our faith 
in what God is doing in the world, what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, if we are bought by the blood of Jesus, if we are His people, if we are made new in Christ, and our faith is in what Christ has done, why should we worry about a situation that we are not in control of? Because God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to rise from the grave, in order to redeem us, to rescue us from a sinful life that we are out of control, and He gives us freedom because Jesus takes the power of sin away from us. Jesus takes the power of sin and says, I'm in control now. And then we as God's people, we submit to that authority. We submit to his lordship and we can live in an attitude of, you know what? I'm not in control anyway. So why should I try to take control? My savior is in charge. And that results in a meekness that the world stands back and goes, who's this? They're not going to react. It's amazing how if bullies try to stir you up and they try to push your buttons, you know the easiest way to deal with a bully is to not let them push your buttons and just react with a smile. We Southerners, we just say, well, bless your heart. Which, Well, you know what that means. You can translate bless your heart to, that's just real stupid. But you see, because here's the difference. The contrast between meekness and worldly strength is that those who have biblical meekness are prepared to endure just about anything. Because if Jesus Christ has endured everything for us on the cross, we don't have anything else to endure, really. We're going to endure a lot of pain and suffering and sorrow in this world, but we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has been through more than we can imagine, and He is right there with us. And even if we stumble and fall, He's going to pick us up. And we can depend on Him. That's the source of this. We are prepared to endure anything rather than act in the way of the wicked world. And it saddens me whenever I see Christians, and I'm going to argue mostly evangelical Christians, are the most embarrassing Christians when it comes to public discourse. Because we place ourselves as the victim. All the world hates us. Oh, the world's going to shut down our churches. COVID-19 is just a conspiracy against the church. We need to stand up for our rights and fight back. All those Democrats, they just don't like Christianity. And they're just going to take away Christmas. And they're going to take away our freedom to worship. And then the conspiracy theories start. And we as evangelicals, let's just be honest, we're not very meek when we respond. Can we just have some confession time today? But Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, truth, true strength is meekness that comes through God's holiness. And this is what Jesus is teaching here. The kingdom of heaven is going to look like meekness. Blessed are the meek. Those who are meek are going to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's a natural result of being chosen by God, saved by His mercy, redeemed by His blood. And they were part of the kingdom of heaven. And as a result, we're going to inherit the earth. It's interesting here that I love how God orchestrates things in church. This morning in our adult Bible study, we're, we're looking at Zephaniah, and Paul is taking us through that very well. What was the number, what was the, the main point of our lesson today, those who were in the Bible study? Zephaniah chapter 2. I know it's been about 30 minutes since we were in Bible study, but did y'all remember? It was pride. Pride. God is passing judgment on Judah's enemies. In chapter 2, he's talking about 
the Gentiles, the Philistines, the Canaanites, and how God is passing judgment on their pride. You see, the world says, take pride in yourself, take pride in your accomplishments, and take charge of the world and show the world who's in boss. Take charge of the world and show them who's in charge. But you know who the strongest people are in the world, according to the Word of God, is those who have the blessing of meekness that is granted us through our Savior Jesus Christ. Blessed are the meek. The other thing is, let's also remember here, the idea of blessed here is also the idea of happy, well-being. You see people, and, and I've had seasons in my life where I've gone through this. I'm confessing this as well. I've had seasons in my life where I was so nervous and upset and, and just losing sleep and anxious and fearful because I wasn't meek. I wasn't trusting that God has everything in control, even if I don't understand it, even if what I'm going through is not pleasant, God is still my God, and I am still in His care. You see, biblical meekness is actually an expression of faith. It's actually a, it's, it's, it's more than just playing the, the faith facade. It's not just putting on a mask of meekness. Look at me, I'm a meek Christian, bless God. It is an actual change of our demeanor. It's a change of who we are. And blessed are the meek because they have reached a new level of existence through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Even when times are hard, when even when we're struggling, Jesus Christ says, I, I'm with you. It's not that He's taking away the difficulties. It's that He's walking through the difficulties with us. And when we stumble and fall, He picks us up and dusts us off and says, I'm here with you. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You see, normally, like we've said, the strongest possess territory. So let's think about this idea here of Jesus about the kingdom of God and possessing the earth. When we think about possessing the earth, we're thinking about kingdoms and nationalities and governments. The strongest countries in the world are the ones who have the most finances and the strongest armies, perhaps even the most secure territory. The territory could be grand or it could be small because, I mean, we have to think about the British Empire that lasted for centuries. It was a tiny little island, (laughs) but they possessed the world, didn't they? So we don't have to possess a lot of territory to be strong. I mean, England, the British Empire, eventually possessed a lot of territory around the world, but they had a lot of strength in their day. The United States of America is still one of the superpowers in the world. And of course, you know, this is the thing about strength and superpowers. The man on top or the country on top is not going to stay on top of the hill for very long. Kings fall, don't they? The British Empire is no longer what it was. The American Empire is not going to stay the way it is forever either. There's going to come a time where the American influence around the world is going to continue, is going to diminish. It's going to, it eventually happens. There's always going to be a bigger bully on the block somewhere. Right now we think, we thought it might be Russia at one time. We had to fight rough back and forth with them. Now we're looking at China. Right? There's always, what I'm saying, I bring this up is that there's always a tug of war between powers in the world. But God here says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We as Christians don't have to fight those who have the strongest possession of territory. Inherit the earth. Now, it's interesting here when Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's the outcome of 
the happiness and the blessing of meekness. Why does Jesus not say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven? You notice this? In in verse 3, he says, he starts off the Beatitudes with the introduction of the kingdom of heaven. But by verse 5, now he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Is Jesus contradicting himself here between the kingdom of heaven versus possessing the earth? Let's take a look here. I don't think he's contradicting himself, but let's try to figure out what he says. There's an old proverb. You may have heard this before. Not a biblical proverb, but you know, cultures have sayings. Proverbs of wisdom. There's an old proverb that says we must howl with the wolves because the wolves will immediately devour everyone who makes himself a sheep. What does that mean? The proverb says, in other words, howl with the wolves that you're a part of. One must howl with the wolves one is among. (laughs) Because if you don't go along with the crowd, if you don't go go along with the pack, the pack will eventually consume you and they'll overtake you. That's what packers of wolves do. They look for the weakest link. And if you don't howl with the pack of wolves, you're the weakest one in the pack, and they'll just devour you. How many of us are prone to do that? Go along with the crowd. Whatever the crowd says, we howl along with them. Because if we don't howl with the crowd, the crowd will condemn us and probably destroy us. Jesus here teaches something in contrast to that old proverb. Don't go along with the pack. Don't go along with what the world says is strength. Instead, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the timid. Blessed are the gentle, because they shall inherit the earth. You see, Jesus is not going to contradict anything that he says, but he is going to contradict what the world says. Because think about this, this idea of this proverb, we must howl with the wolves because the wolves will immediately devour everyone who makes himself a sheep. Think about what is a sheep's demeanor. When we think about a sheep, we think about an animal that is timid, an animal that is weak, an animal that is uh, prone to predators like wolves. If you've ever been around sheep for very long and you listen to them, whenever they, uh, they sound like children, like babies crying. You ever think, you ever been around them like that? Uh, I went and saw my father a couple of weeks ago, um, and you know, today's Father's Day. I won't be able to see him. He lives uh, several hours away. But uh, at his house, across the road from his house, uh, some folks have moved there from New Jersey. You know, the, the, the people up north are coming down here. You know that, right? And, and they, they bought a small, some acreage across the road from my dad. There's like 10 acres there, and they're making a farm out of it. And they've got sheep. And I was outside, I was leaving, and I could hear them as I was leaving, and they sounded like babies crying. So if you, if you make yourself meek like a sheep, then the wolves will devour you. But let's think about this. If we are part of the kingdom of heaven, if we are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, we are seen as lambs following a great shepherd, don't we? We have a shepherd, Jesus Christ, who takes care of his flock Matter of fact, Jesus even talks about himself that way. He says that he is the good shepherd, and the good shepherd has sheep who hear his voice, and they follow him. If we are sheep with an attitude and a disposition of meekness, do we have a great shepherd who has a voice that we follow and we listen? And do we not have a great shepherd who will protect us and lead us to good pasture? And do we not have a shepherd 
who will always watch out for us and protect us from the wolves. There is no reason for God's sheep to go and turn into wolves in fear that the wolves will consume us because we have a great shepherd who is going to protect us. And the result of that truth, the result of that uh, understanding and conviction of the kingdom is that we don't have to act like the world. We don't have to react in defensiveness. We don't have to react in fear. We react with confidence and calm demeanor and gentle disposition because, you know what, I've got a great shepherd over here. Uh, okay, wolf. Uh, hey, hey, Jesus, here's a wolf. Matter of fact, we don't have to call Jesus after the wolf. The shepherd, the great shepherd, Jesus already knows the wolf is there. And he's probably going to take care of the wolf before we recognize him. And the natural result of that in God's kingdom is we are part of God's people because the meek belong to the Lord. They're going to inherit the earth. One must be a sheep, really, to be part of Christ's flock, don't we? And this is as a pastor... For the, the, the 10 plus years I've been a pastor of church churches, the one thing that I, I actually notice, and everyone agrees, no one wants to say it, but we all agree, that there are usually those who come into the kingdom of God, who come into the church, and they act like sheep, but really they're wolves. And it is the job of the shepherd of the church to protect God's people from the wolves. Jesus Christ himself will protect his people from the wolves. And there is no reason for God's sheep to turn into wolves themselves. God's got this. And we trust Him because the meek belong to the Lord. Because think about this. While the stormy life will seems to possess everything, right? We're going through a season right now of uncertainty and turmoil. I don't know what your 401k looks like. I don't know what your retirement account looks like. I stopped looking at mine. Actually, it's not pretty. It's not too bad now. I think it's bounced back or whatever. But if you're dependent on some things like that, you may be in an attitude and a season of turmoil and stress and fear. You know, I, I thank God that there is no one in this church who has lost their job during this season. Amen? There's a lot of people who have lost their jobs during these last few months. The economy is uncertain. The economy is in upheaval. How do we react? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, because they belong to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, here's the thing. Whenever you are a wolf or you are um, in, uh, living like the world, you think that you possess the world. And when the storms come, when you carry too much load, when the storms come, you're going to be fighting to possess all of this stuff that you're juggling. Has anybody ever tried to carry too much stuff to a car? and you're trying to navigate the steps, and you're, you can't even see where you're walking, and, but you don't want to drop anything, and what do you eventually do? You eventually drop something or all of it, don't you? Blessed are the meek because they know who is in charge. The other thing is blessed are the meek because while the world says possess everything, the strongest possess the world, the meek who are part of God's kingdom, by the world's standards, possess nothing. So we're not going to be fighting to control the possessions that we have. We're not going to be fighting to control whatever it is we think is our world because what is the world of the Christian? Christ Himself. You see, the children of God, a true child of God, will actually enjoy a quiet life, not a life of turmoil, not a life of upheaval and stress and fear. A true child of God is going to be so content with whatever they have or don't have 
that they will actually live a life of meekness and gentleness by natural result because God himself is going to say, I am all that you need. Jesus Christ says, I am all. I am everything. And the Christian who loves Christ, who depends on Christ, doesn't need anything else. And so there's not going to be any fear or worry of losing it because Jesus himself assures us in Romans chapter 7 and 8 that our salvation is certain. Amen? Because we don't save ourselves. Jesus Christ Himself redeems us. I don't know about you, but I got, you know, I can get real tired trying to be saved. Anybody agree with me? Trying to be saved, trying to make myself saved, trying to make myself godly, that's exhausting. I thank the Lord that Jesus Christ has done it all. And it's through the Holy Spirit that He changes us and makes us new and gives us a new outlook on life to where we're saying, you know what? Hallelujah. You know what? I've got enough. My bills are paid. I've got clothes on my back. He's given me enough to eat. If I have to miss a meal or two, maybe God's saying you need to miss a meal or two. Or maybe we've made some bad choices and we can't buy the food we need. Whatever it is, God provides. And the ad- and think about that. Think about if, if you are content in what God has provided, why should you be upset? and trying to take control. If you, are con- if you are content as a child of God to enjoy a quiet life, what do all these other things have for us anyway? You see, while God gives us joy in a quiet life, we possess only what God gives, and we're happy with it. So happy, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Turn with me to Psalm 17. Psalm 17. We'll look at a couple passages of Scripture here, and then we'll call it a day. Psalm 17. Let's see what else God's Word has to say about this attitude of meekness and contentment. Psalm 17, verses 8 and 9. Actually, let's begin in verse 7. Verse 7. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence, my deadly enemies who surround me. You see, this cry of David, this prayer of David, is actually, he's asking the Lord, he's crying out to the Lord to bring him into a a space of protection and comfort and peace. How blessed are the meek who are protected by the Lord The shepherd Jesus Christ protects his sheep. The wing of God's mercy and grace covers those who cry out to him for protection and love. Let's take a look also at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's take a look here at what real meekness looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. We have to consider here, in contrast to the religiously pious, you know, you know what it means to be pious? The idea of piety really in its, in its purest form is, a, is a, something worthy of, of attaining, really. Piety is the, uh, the, 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 the place where we reach as religious people, I guess, to be content and to be uh, pleasing to the Lord, or the Lord, the Lord is pleased with us. That's what it means to be pious, to, to seek that level of righteousness where God is pleased 
But we have to be careful because piety can also lead to our wanting to control that process. And we know what pious people tend to be like. See, the idea of piety now has a negative connotation because those who are pious are those who, who are religiously righteous and they've made themselves such. We have to be careful here that piety and the idea of religious purity is not something that we take over with pride. You see, the pious possess prideful strength, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus is teaching in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We have to remember that it is most likely that there may have been some Pharisees and some religious leaders there listening to Jesus' sermon. There could have also been some other folks there who had been trained in the religious way of living, the pious way of making yourself holy, works righteousness. And Jesus is teaching something in contrast. You cannot make yourself holy. So blessed are the meek who are not in control of their own religious journey. Blessed are the meek who do not possess a pride, a strength of self-righteousness. Blessed are the meek who actually fall at the feet of the cross and realize that they cannot make themselves holy because the genuinely meek in Christ are actually possessed by Christ. And so in contrast to the world, and even in contrast to the religiously pious, Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth and telling them exactly what true righteousness looks like. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. For consider your calling, brothers, that many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even though even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Boasting is the opposite of meekness. Yet Paul says when you boast, don't boast in your own efforts. Don't boast in your own work. Boast in Christ. And that is a sign of meekness. And so blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because the way the world works, the way the earth works, the strongest survive, the strongest possess. But the, it is the weakness of God that is stronger than men. <laughs> right? Amen? It is the weakness of God that is stronger than the strongest of man's efforts. Ponder that for a minute. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is saying, in your spirit, surrender to the Lord. In your spirit, quit trying to make yourself holy. Quit trying to make yourself worthy of God's favor. In your spirit, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because the weakness, the weakest aspect of God, if you could even fathom what that might even be, which is that itself could be a, a theological and mental jungle gym trying to figure out what is the weakness of God, because God is not weak. You see the play of words here that Paul is using in 1 Corinthians? The weakest aspect of God, if it could really be that, is stronger than anything man could ever possess. 
So the strongest nation, the strongest government, the strongest corporation, the strongest type A personality in the room is weaker than God's weakest moment, if that could even be. (laughs) Which literally means God is stronger than the strongest human being ever thought about. And God's power and His mercy and His grace brings comfort and security to His people And so they have no reason to react the way the world reacts. They have a Lord and Savior who is in loving them, in control of the world, and in control of their lives. You see, the Jews who would be listening to Jesus' message here in Matthew chapter 5, they actually expected their Messiah to be the most powerful king that the world had ever seen. They thought that the coming Messiah would be the strongest human king ever to show up on the earth and they were going to take back the earth as God's people because they had the strongest king than the world had ever seen. And Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapter 5, not as a strong political power, but as one who has more strength than anyone else. And Jesus says, the strength that I possess is the meekness that will rule the world. Think about Jesus Christ. When we think about Christ in the Gospels, do we think of a Savior who is out to overthrow the Roman authorities. We think of a Savior who says, you know what, yeah, Rome is is here. There'll be somebody else after them. Before before Rome were the Greeks. The Greeks actually controlled Judah. And then Rome came in. They were worse than the Greeks thought. It's just going to be one conquering nation after another, another conquering power after another. And it is the power of God in His meekness through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's meekness his attitude and, and his disposition of gentleness and humility took back the power of the world. And that is for us as well. Amen? Let's close with this. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 27. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus actually contrasts the power of the world with his humility. Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 38. This is Jesus on the cross between two robbers. Notice how Jesus reacts here on the cross and notice the strength and the power expressed here. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 38. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. You see, that's how the world will actually kind of tempt us as the church. If you're so strong, why don't you do this? That's right. Look here at verse 41. Even the chief priests get involved. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. Verse 43. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. Now in verse 44. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. And we've dropped down to verse 50. Here is is the expression of Jesus' strength in the midst of this mockery. Verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. How do the citizens of the kingdom of heaven react to prodding and teasing and the world looking at us and mocking us? 
First of all, when the world mocks the church, when the world mocks the Christian, they're really not mocking you. That's the first thing we got to remember. They're mocking the gospel. They're mocking our Savior. And how does Jesus react to this mockery as He's hanging on the cross? All of Jesus' teachings, all of His words are coming back here at this moment on the cross, and all of those of the world, the worldly thinking comes and they just mock Him. You thought you were strong. Look at you, Jesus. But how does Jesus respond? In verse 50, He cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His spirit. That's a moment of death. That's the moment of not fighting back the way the world wants to fight back, but fighting back in the way that God Himself shows pure strength. Strength in God's kingdom is humility to the point of death if necessary. Humility to the point of sacrifice and death is more strength than the world can ever imagine or try to portray. And this is what Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Because in the end of all time... Okay, this is the eschatological part of the Sermon on the Mount. Remember that big word I was trying to tell you? (laughs) Eschatology is the theological study of the end times. How is all this going to play out? Let's think about this in the future. As the church, what does the gospel tell us? What does the Word of God tell us in the end of times when the final judgment comes? Who wins? Ain't the world. So there's absolutely no reason for us in the present to fight the world the way the world fights. It is up to the church to listen to the words of their Savior, Jesus Christ. And if Jesus has purely saved you, if Jesus has purely made you a new creature in His image, if the Holy Spirit possesses your very essence in your being, then there is a, even if you don't even know what the future is going to look, because nobody knows what the future is going to look like, the Scriptures tell us what the future is going to be, but even that is shadowed in in some vague imagery too. So there is a future that we know how it's going to end, but then we don't know how it's going to end. And that is hope of the Christian that we can grab onto and know that there is absolutely nothing today that's going to change what God has promised. Amen. If we have been bought by the blood of our Savior, is that enough? Is that enough for us when we are picked at by the world, when we are ridiculed by the world, when we are in a situation that we are not in control of? Are we okay with that because we have a Savior who is in control? Then therefore the result would be a disposition of meekness that begins with our salvation when we come to salvation in Jesus Christ, when our hearts are so convicted by the Holy Spirit that we are awakened to the reality of our sin, do we not fall at the feet of Jesus on the cross and say, I surrender, Lord. Our pride is tossed away, and what is left is an attitude of humility and meekness and gentleness. Now that is something that God is going to continue to work on us throughout our lives. There will be times where we will fail as Christians and we are not so humble and gentle. Amen? But we also know when those times happen that we have, we've actually failed our Lord and He will convict us of that. So in this season of uncertainty in our world, in this atmosphere of our society that seems so polarized and divided politically and socially, How does the church respond? 
Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Not blessed are the boastful, loud Christian who dominates the discussion. Because we will dominate the discussion through Christ's meekness and His gentleness and His humility. We don't need to raise our voice. We don't need to put down our enemies. We don't need to put down those who we disagree with. We stand true, we stand firm on the truth of the gospel and that should be enough. And we allow the gentleness and the humility of Christ to just ooze out of us. And that will dominate any discussion that we're a part of. But that's hard to practice, isn't it? If there's something in your life right now where you're fighting that, I have seen this in, in married couples. I've seen this in workplaces. I've seen this in family dynamics between children and parents. You know, children will test the limits of their parents' authority, won't they? <laughs> and then parents feel like they've been stepped on and offended and, and disrespected, and then they react in anger and boisterous, and we've all been there. We, we're guilty of that. But how, how does God grow within us this attitude of Christ-like gentleness and humility. He's going to take us through some situations where we're going to have to practice it. And so I want to ask us as we leave today, if you are, if you are struggling with this, and we all do to some level, but if you're really struggling right now with this uh, anger issue or um, being offended all the time or not being in control, what is Jesus speaking to you right now? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. As we close out today, let me pray for us, and we're going to close with a hymn. But let's pray wherever you are right now. If you need to do some business with the Lord on this issue, ask the Lord to reveal within you those areas where you've not totally surrendered to His Lordship, not totally surrendered your heart to Him, to where you're still trying to hold on to some things and trying to be in control Ask Him to show you what that looks like. Ask Him to change your heart to be more Christ-like and of humility and weak, not weakness, but meekness. Because again, the, the, the weakness of God is stronger than any man's strength could ever be. Remember, that's what Paul says. Let me close this in prayer. Father God, we, we thank You and we praise You for Your Word. And we, we just stand in awe, dear Father, of how your Son, Jesus Christ, taught so boldly, yet with simplicity, took what we think is strength and told, showed us what true strength is. I pray, God, that we as your church would hear you today. I pray, God, that you would work with each, within each and every one of us these words of your Son, Jesus Christ, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. May we be the children that you have called us to be. May we be the citizens of your kingdom, worthy of your grace, which means that we're not worthy at all. <laughs> and Father, I pray that you would work within each and every one of us an attitude of meekness and gentleness and humility. As representatives of your kingdom, may we show the strength of Christ through what the world sees as weak. I pray, God, that you would love this congregation, but you would also love our world. Not just our community, not just our nation, but the world right now seems to be on fire. And so, God, I pray that you would hear our cries, that you would allow the strength 
of gentleness and meekness to dominate what seems to be out of control. Because the words of your Son, Jesus Christ, and His very essence and existence as the King of your kingdom and even the King of kings of this world, Father, your Son, Jesus Christ, will rule forever. May His meekness be the strength that the world sees. And I pray, God, that you would bring us to a place of harmony in your kingdom so that you receive the glory that you deserve and that you would forgive us for where we have failed you in the process. I pray, God, that our worship today has been pleasing to you. Please be in this room with us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.